0: and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty-gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado let's get into the episode. Before we get into the episode, I just want to come on here and talk to you guys about today's sponsor, which is actually the first sponsor of the podcast. Drum roll, please. It is Imperfect Points. I'm super excited to be working with Imperfect Points. It's a brand that, you know, literally before they brought out their leotards, I've been following them. I've been watching their company grow and I'm just really excited to be working with a company I believe in and that's kind of how it will be going forward. So essentially, if you haven't heard of Imperfect Points, Imperfect Points, it, Future Friendly Balletwear is the UK's first sustainable dancewear brand, which aims to create diverse, stylish leotards and tights, whatever colour, gender, or ability you are, with minimum impact on the planet. Now, if that doesn't sound appetising and something that you want to be, I guess supporting, um, then I don't know what it. I I don't know what it else is good. Like, there's literally not much more um that you can kind of want from a dancewear company um if you want to check out their leotards which i highly recommend go to imperfectpoints.com or check them out on instagram at imperfect points i love them thank you hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast in today's episode i'm joined by suzanne city hi suzanne hi thank you How for having you
1: me. oh i'm oh, very yeah. well
0: good <laughs> um so this is going to be an episode in the in my conversation with professional dancers and yeah it's going to be interesting every episode is going to be different and I hope you enjoy we're going to get straight into the episode with a quick fire round um so Suzanne how old are you
1: I am 26 26 Um, what company are you currently dancing in um I'm currently in the Vienna State Opera Ballet Mm -hmm. yeah all the way in Austria. <laughs> um,
0: what point shoes do you wear? Or I don't know. Like I'm sure everyone's point shoe journey is different. But like, what are your current point shoes? Do you have one? Like one style? Do you
1: have two? Like, um, I I literally like my point shoe journey has been very up and down, and I've gone back and forth. <laughs> very <laughs> different. Uh, brands um at the moment I'm quite liking my blocks but kind of customized by Bob Martin um which is because yeah I can um I'm Skyping with him on a regular basis to kind of just add like tweaks and things Um, but yeah I I I have tried almost everything I've I've tried gainers um several different kind of blocks Suffolk, Capesia, you name it it's it's all it's all been yeah.
0: there <laughs> it's so interesting when I come across someone who else like has Bob Martin shoes like oh, SS, he's great. Yeah, yeah
1: he's so
0: lovely really good. um what's your favorite
1: leotard um my favorite leotard is usually a classic like yumiko um something with like a halter neck mm-hmm. and orange I absolutely love orange, Ooh, you all orange. Love my, yeah I I I have really bright colors and really yeah. bold colors and then sometimes people feel like do you not have, like, a, a baby pink or, like, a baby blue, like, any pastel colors I'm like, no, you yeah. <laughs> have <laughs> Or bright blue or orange or something like that. that. Yeah, I've
0: never really seen, like, many bright colours, like, orange leaf. I've never really seen many orange lizards.
1: Really? Well, um, you come, to my, come to my, people <laughs> <You laughs> find a few.
0: Um, okay, so what's your fav pe- favourite, um, like, piece you've either rehearsed or performed. Um, it can be classical, neoclassical, contemporary, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I've really enjoyed uh anything by John Newmeyer. Mm-hmm. Um and one piece we did was uh, Pavilion de Amide. Mm-hmm. That was really nice to it also, also kind of working with him and like the things that he says and like how he um, kind of describes how he wants his work to come across and just kind of the energy you know something can be so small and such a small it can a big difference can be made just by the energy that you project and I feel like sometimes we forget about that and he really helped remind us about that and then again something that was Completely different was Per Gint by Edward Klug and we were all quite surprised when it was coming to the Vienna State Opera because it was not involving that much dancing, more acting. Oh really? But yeah. that was so cool to dance and like I was lucky to, to be able to do many different sections in the ballet and one I was like a troll and one I was like dressed as a carpet <laughs> and, and like running around as a carpet like wrapped it was, up that, in a that carpet. That sounds quite fun in a weird it's way. was so much fun and yeah. but also being in a madhouse we all had to like act as if we were in a psychiatric ward and it was just also working with Edward, like it sounds crazy. And when we saw the cast, it's like, okay, why am I a troll? You know. But working with um, <laughs> with with the like the ballet master um, Milosh and and Edward, it was amazing because of how how there's so much deeper meaning into it. You know, if you really dissect everything, and I found I found the process of doing that so much fun. So there are just like examples of the types of things that I enjoy. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't remember where, what company he, because he's an artistic director
1: somewhere. Yeah. I think oh, it's God. in Slovenia. Yes, yeah, Slovenia, exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I've, the name, <laughs> as soon as you said his name, I a, rang a bell because I think I've yeah. been about him recently.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's so loves. lovely. So I think that also makes a difference. It's like the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I have to add that recently we premiered one of our new director's pieces and yeah. also his piece amazing. we were rehearsing one of his his other ones his, his older one that he um, already choreographed mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved it and it was just a shame that we couldn't perform it this season yeah.
0: do you know yeah. if you'll do it next season
1: that's the plan that's okay. why I think that's why we, we were rehearsing it a lot because of, like, hope that we can do it next season.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: last question is, what is your favourite food?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> I love avocado. <laughs> it's amazing. But <laughs> I really, I, that's what I was thinking the day. That's literally something I could eat every day. Yeah. Um, that along with eggs and also pizza, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um
0: okay so let's get into your journey as a dancer you know where did when did you start how old were you you know when did you go off to vocational school and then I guess that then that going into a company Mm -hmm. um you can be as detailed or as vague but you know give the listeners something that so
1: they're not too like (laughs)
0: like what is going on um but yeah over to you
1: Well, um, I started when I was four back in South Africa because, yeah, I'm originally from South Africa Mm. and my mum took me to see The Nutcracker and I was, I mean, in South Africa, it's not really, my mum never thought, oh, my daughter's going to be a ballerina. It was not really seen as a profession, Mm. but I insisted that I wanted to start ballet. And so, yeah, I, I started when I was four and then my family decided to move to the UK when I was about seven. And my teacher was actually the one that told my mom, like, this girl should keep dancing, like, make sure you find her a ballet school. And yeah, so I started training in like the local town where we were living in Taunton in Somerset. Yeah. Um and yeah, like my my teacher actually, her daughter went through White Lodge and Upper School. So it was really good to kind of get advice or how to go about auditioning and start taking things seriously and that I kind of did the classic Jas and okay. my mum was kind of reluctant to send me away to white Lodge or let, even let me audition at the age of 11 yeah. mm. she felt was quite young
0: yeah
1: and yeah I don't remember like going against that I just kind of accepted it that yeah it's it's pretty young to do that mm-hmm. and we kind of then that said, okay, I'm gonna do extra coaching, extra training, like really this is like this anxiety that you have, I guess what my mum also had, you know, my daughter wants to get into White Lodge, but the chances are getting less and less and less as the years go on. Yeah, Um, Pushed for like private lessons and things like that. Um, And in the end, I was very lucky that the year before I wanted to audition, um I went to a, the summer school and they took me from there. Oh
0: wow. So okay. it kind of
1: happened like a crazy whirlwind but yeah, I can imagine yeah. that
0: being quite yeah. hectic.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like 2 weeks and my mom was just like, "What's happening?" Oh my god. <laughs> but um no the, then it was fine. Obviously then I did year 9, 10 and 11 at White Lodge, um which was a huge adjustment and also I like the teachers really do make you feel like you have a lot to catch up on. And mm-hmm. I was for a long time, I was kind of like, felt like I was lagging behind. Mm-hmm. And I think psychologically that also made a huge impact on my kind of self image, self. Yeah. My, my confidence. Yeah. Um, even though I, you know, I always worked hard to kind of get to the level that I needed to be. It's that constant thing in the back of your head. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then then upper school auditions came, and I was very fortunate to get a place at upper school. Um, and yeah, then three years at upper school, and then I auditioned for Vienna. And yeah, I was again lucky that that I got that I got a contract there. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like a, yeah. a brief. Yeah,
0: um, I'm always intrigued to like when people like graduating, did you like do many auditions?
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, I have to say I was fortunate just because of the timing. Mm-hmm. So I did um, an audition for Boston Ballet because they came, I, I never really had my sights set on going to to America, but they came to London. So I thought, okay, I'll just do the audition It would be a good experience. Mm-hmm. And they offered me junior company. Okay. Um, but then Vienna was like the weekend after and yeah so Vienna was actually the first international um, audition that I did just because they were the first in the year yeah and then I mean I didn't I I had to wait a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. before I got the the email and I was already planning all the other I was really Uh, like
0: yeah you're planning to go to other places as well. yeah
1: yeah I was I was really like this crazy girl like okay I need to get here I need to make sure that I have everything and in the end, my flights got canceled to all my other auditions that like I had auditions wow. uh, book for one weekend and my flight got canceled because of a snowstorm. Like everyone else managed to rebook their flights and I was stuck. Like I just couldn't yeah. get a rebooking. And that same day I got my contract. So it was. That's actually crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I really took it kind of as a sign like mm. that but, I yeah. should take it and not not keep. Keep going so, yeah. I have said in in my case, it was just pure luck. But mm-hmm. yeah, I know for many people who did many many auditions. My brother also went through many auditions. And what I always just know and believe is that you get the place that's meant for you. It doesn't mean if you get it, if you're the first one in your class or the first one in your uh, out of all the auditions if you don't get it, that doesn't mean anything. It mm-hmm. just means it wasn't the right place for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I think that's really helpful and it's it's interesting talking to because I know obviously every dance has a different story in terms of like, you know, they might have done an, loads of auditions or one. Like yeah, and yeah, I just find it, it's so interesting because you don't unless you have a conversation with someone and most of the time like the whole like students don't really have conversations with professionals, which is why I like doing having these conversations in the podcast that people can listen to
1: yeah is, I think yeah, it's they'll get probably, to know yeah because yeah. I mean the teachers they also try to prepare us for auditions and the audition process but until you do it yourself exactly and also you kind of teachers depending who they are they have they do have such a big influence on students and if they don't they're not careful with how they say things or or how they explain things then it can come across not in the best way and yeah. I also think that if you hear it from a professional dancer who's maybe not been out of the industry for so long mm. it's much more valuable somehow
0: oh yeah 100 because a lot of the time you know the teachers haven't you know they like they might be in the industry per se because they're a ballet teacher working in professional school but when was the last time they were exactly. working actively and dancing actively in a company particularly in this like day and age like the 20 we're in the in the century that we're in and the, particularly the decade a lot of the teachers that are teaching now may not have worked for like 20 even more years
1: exactly and the other thing that I've noticed is that egos play a huge part mm-hmm. and that this is this is it's not even just with teachers it's with ballet masters it's with directors is that their ego can sometimes take over so much and that's why it's so important i think for dancers to have like to be quite level-headed and strong within themselves so that they can identify when it's an ego talking and whether whether that's actual advice yeah um i think yeah that teachers do like say oh yeah i only did one audition or you know yeah
0: Yeah. exactly (laughs) Um, okay so let's kind of I want to dive in more to talk about your training. Um, because obviously a lot of the well, a lot of the conversations I have on here are talking to dancers who are in like those three years of training, particularly the, the upper school years, um, or just graduated. So how, you know, were there any, I guess, struggles or obstacles or points that stick out to you in those three years in particular that you have I guess you know have you overcome them if there are is it something I don't know that like could be injury or any um points where your mental health was not mm-hmm. in a great place um anything kind of to do with that and how you I guess overcame it and how that might have changed then going into a professional environment and kind of things to do like that so yeah
1: I'm yeah yeah um, well, obviously, I joined kind of in the middle of of the um, like five years of white Lodge. yeah. and um kind of fitting in socially with the girls was a bit of a challenge. Mm. Um, in the beginning, if soon it kind of was okay, but I think that we forget that. When you're 12 girls in the class and everyone is is having this like dream and they feel like there's only like space for one person in the world to to be a dancer and everyone's just set on this one kind of ideal then yeah it can get quite like bitchy um (laughs) but yeah apart from that apart from the actual training but i think i think also that's important to say because a lot of this kind of adapting to living away from home and kind of trying to find who you are as a person, it affects the way you're working in the studio. And we don't always necessarily realize that, but I'm realizing it now as a professional, like whatever's going on with me emotionally or psychologically reflects in a way that people can't necessarily pinpoint it, but the energy you can kind of feel it. And it also affects the way you're dancing and performing. Yeah. So I guess like the first couple of years I was really kind of I was coming from um a big fish in a little pond into that yeah. yeah, that kind of yeah from yeah, yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Small fish in a big pond yeah.
1: and it really knocked my confidence and mm-hmm. I always used to be this dancer like that just kind of went for it and I was like in my own world if I was dancing and then suddenly technique was kind of brought upon me and saying like you're yeah. not strong enough you really need to work on this this and this mm-hmm. and this and yeah it was kind of always like correction would feel like this is the end of the world <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah no, um, yeah.
1: yeah and I think that kind of all ricocheted into triggering like um a very perfectionistic kind of yeah body image okay. mentality and body yep. image issue which mm-hmm. kind of did lead me to restricting a lot yeah um that was kind of triggered in kind of year nine year ten okay um so quite yeah quite vulnerable quite young um, years yeah and yeah. it was kind of like forced on to be under control because our director at white Lodge she was she was very okay. good she wasn't um Diane von score she was very if I'm thinking back now she's actually a very level-headed woman yeah. um didn't maybe always come across like that but mm-hmm. yeah and she always did have our best interests, and she really kind of, I kind of noticed it very very early on and really kind of forced me to gain weight <clears throat> mm-hmm. and um, so I, I guess during the time of White Lodge it was kind of under control even though thinking back now I think in a broader spectrum across like the girls yeah. there was a lot of questionable habits okay you know, yeah it, I mean that's unfortunately, I think very I, common. yeah mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast um where you were being interviewed and you mentioned something like, you know, girls would like not bring something to eat or oopsie, I forgot. Yeah, you know, oops, yeah. Oops, yeah I wasn't feeling so good. I skipped lunch and like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, I just, you know. Yeah, it's all kind okay. of like underlining pressure, especially for me yeah. where I already have the tendency to want to restrict.
0: Yes, hearing that can be triggering for someone who, yeah, in even if you're not like, because like, it's already something like purposeful that yeah. you're kind of aware of and it makes you think like I completely relate to that it's like if someone says they've skipped a meal or they forgot to do something like it mm-hmm. I don't know like it kind of yeah. like, oh, like do I need to like yeah. I to and it's weird and like especially when you're in a ballet environment in that when it, there's also that underlying competition um for whether it be
1: attention praise It all ties together. There's also a huge misconception for younger dancers of what like being skinny actually means. Yeah. And I remember so distinctly, and I think like I'm gonna say this and admit (laughs) to this. It's it's like I'm really shocked that I even thought this. But yeah, I remember being in a ballet class and it was like maybe I was so tired, it was like a Friday or something, and The teacher was like come on jump like you guys really need to get up off the air get your butts mm-hmm. off the air mm-hmm. and i was i was thinking to myself that girl over there she's really skinny and she's jumping really high even though that was just like her natural like that was her strength that she yes. was a jumper. And i was thinking i can't jump it's because i'm too heavy mm-hmm. that was okay. my logic my logic yeah. was my legs are too as, are bigger than hers so therefore i must be heavier yeah. or you would think oh, I don't know it's just yeah no it's really messed up it, yeah um, yeah <laughs> it's common I think, like I yeah I've yeah that's the and thing look, that's the other problem that the other is, other is other that I think teachers play. are kind of told not to address things like this like this is what one teacher said to me she kind of said to me I'm trying to talk to you between the lines but you really need to like be careful but she's like, I'm not allowed to tell you anything or give you advice about nutrition or like your your body weight or anything like that. But I feel like if teachers were maybe more educated to give the right information, mm-hmm. then it would be a lot better. Because if like I was sent to a nutritionist and it didn't firstly, she didn't really give me any valuable mm-hmm. advice apart from like eat your fruit and veg and eat some fats and <laughs> carbs and you know it's oh, like that yeah. um but you kind of you, you kind of only put whatever your teacher says on a pedestal because they're ultimately oh, of course the ones you know
0: yeah and I think if, when you're living away from home and I've said this before is that like your teachers are the only adults that you kind of like have and that you see on a daily basis they you almost look up to them like you might look up to your parents
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and
0: yeah like your are yeah so that is completely, it's quite a normal thing. But I think at the same time, I feel like that's quite good because I I swear I've heard teachers say either like to students who are in a class that like the, the reason they're not jumping high is because of like... Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, oh, you know, like you guys need to... I don't know, like
1: I've heard a- tone up a lot. Pardon? I've heard teachers say tone up oh, a lot. Yes. I, we yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um to, oh my god, to the, <laughs> That just brings back <laughs> so many, like um, there was a point where we were preparing, I don't know if you heard the Genet. I talked yeah, about yeah. it. Then. Yeah. Um there was four of us who were going. Um and our teacher was basically like to us, you know you well first of all they were set he um oh, i'm not even the teacher was saying that we needed to i guess like they showed an example of someone in the year above with like oh you know you need to do what this person's done without realize without them realizing that that person had an eating disorder essentially
1: oh my god and
0: was like you need to tone up like so and so or oh so like and it's actually ridiculous how many times I've heard from various teachers, you know, talking about having to tone up or like, oh, I want to see more like muscle definition in your legs, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and like, sure, that could come from a like, but then it's like, are you really wanting to see us have like stronger legs, or are you actually wanting to have like leaner legs? Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where's yeah, it coming the from?
1: The terminology is really messed it's, up
0: yeah and yeah. the thing is it can be perceived so differently by who like it literally depends like for some people they might be like oh okay they want you know that teacher telling me i need to stretch my legs more so you can see mm-hmm. like, maybe the calf muscle pop a bit more or the quad or whatever but then for someone particularly someone with a more maybe distorted mindset about things is oh that teacher's saying that or i need to lose yeah, weight yeah. and that's why you know terminology in the way teachers speak and i guess give corrections and that's why like i think it's good obviously we want teachers value teachers to be more educated when it comes to providing advice or at least being able to refer and have someone on almost like on campus i guess who mm-hmm. can give correct advice if they can't um, but i do wish that like i don't know that like the speech was like more teachers were aware of the way they spoke and gave corrections um so that it was less about like your body shape particularly if they can't actually give help on how to like make a change if that makes sense Mm -hmm.
1: no I totally agree with that and I feel like um I mean there's always people saying okay well yes ballet does demand a certain oh of course aesthetic or yeah it does demand a certain body shape I guess Mm -hmm. um but it's also to the point where like obviously I was very triggered throughout my whole training let's just say that um and I do also remember I was talking to a colleague uh, like a school colleague of mine and she said she reminded me of a time I completely forgot about this the teacher came in or the director came in they were saying like they're so disappointed in us because um you know we were we were kind of like Our behinds were getting a bit too big, or people were not really in shape. And it was I like thinking back, and I looked like I also remember looking in the studio and thinking, "There's no one here, you know." It doesn't stand out to me that we were like a fat class or anything. Mm -hmm. There may have been one or two people who weren't kind of working as hard. That maybe they were kind of getting a little bit out of shape, but it wasn't to the point where you would address the whole class Mm. and. It's not even about like. It's just kind of giving a healthier information of saying yeah. okay, if you you want to get stronger, you want to get more um, def- definition, which I yeah. think is always beautiful. It's like say muscle mm-hmm. tone, but yeah. it doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to starve yourself. It could be oh, that yeah, exactly. you're working towards like being stronger, being a more efficient and uh, yeah, better dancer. And yeah. your 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 focus is more on the performance and the kind of the progress that you're making, rather than restricting what you're eating and getting like distorted ideas in your head.
0: Yeah, see that's the thing. If you know, like, if a teacher was to like say something, are they going to actually then be able to give you qualified advice on how to change something? Mm-hmm. And most of the case, that's it. no exactly so you have dancers where you know turning to all sorts of forms of control to make a change that they don't really know how and most of that is going to be restricted eating because on you know you're already doing hours of dancing a day the first thought is okay well what else can I do yes you could be you know people will go to the gym or they'll go and they'll do more exercise or and restrict or you know there'll be people who will go and um, just kind of use food to try and make that change yeah. but there's yeah and it's it's sad because like there's
1: you know it's more than just that like yeah more and than- I think also like for every person I can and I can even say throughout like in White Lodge, maybe my reasons for restricting were slightly different than they ended up being when I was at mm-hmm. upper school or mm-hmm. like when I first joined the company. Yeah. Um, it's, it's for, yeah, it's, it's different triggers. Like for some yeah. people it's emotional. I guess for me, it was mm-hmm. also kind of a way of just doing everything I can or thinking I'm never good enough. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the only thing you can control is what you put in your mouth or you can control yeah, exactly. the, the numbers on the scale. Mm-hmm. um to an extent obviously yeah and you kind of feel like well I'm doing everything else and I still don't feel good enough so I'll try this yeah and yeah it's that's why it's, I think it's like a very it goes much deeper than just how you look restriction.
0: oh yeah exactly yeah is there's a mo there's so many like emotional and just yeah I mean and it, I guess it you know varies so much person to person yeah. because everyone will have a unique you know reason for being triggered and feeling that way hi everyone i hope you're still listening and if you are it is your lucky day i am proud to give you a little gift from meaning perfect points to you and that gift is an exclusive offer of 15% off. That is 15% of your money you get to keep. You don't have to give it. It's yours. So you get, yeah, you get money off. Who um, who doesn't want that? Anyway, so the exclusive offer and code that I'm going to be giving you today and going forward is HCP15. HCP15 will give you 15% off across all all imperfect points products and yeah all you have to do is go to imperfectpoints.com and switch to sustainable dancewear because come on come on just do it it's your sign to do it you deserve to look amazing you deserve to wear sustainable clothing you deserve to look great in a leotard so go do it okay enjoy the rest of the episode So I guess how, other than, you know, did you, in upper school, did you ever have, I guess, teachers or staff? um, I don't know, not necessarily that pull you aside, but were there, was there any sense of like, okay, you know, maybe, I don't know of like trying to help you. I think I kind of. Or did you have it like so much under control that no one. Yeah, I think
1: I did. they would yeah. they, I would have had a few times that people made kind of like a comment mm-hmm. but it was always kind of like darling we're not allowed to say anything but just be, be careful, you. careful you know you're looking a little be bit or just are you are you are you okay are you eating and that's that the thing is to be quite honest with you I didn't take it seriously I kind of took okay. it as like oh it's working or like then maybe okay. I would think Oh, okay maybe I should eat a bit more today or whatever and then tomorrow she's like actually you know what I need to keep up that reputation of being yeah. skinny it's really it's yeah. Like, no I yeah I get
0: that. it doesn't
1: it doesn't make sense to me now but like back then it really that was kind of my my reasoning yeah and I think if it wasn't for my mom then I was wouldn't have been so under control she was very um aware of it from okay. early on and yeah she like whenever I went home I always went home on weekends or um half term and holidays yeah of course there were many arguments because I was kind of I didn't believe that she had my best interest I felt like she was kind of like pulling me away from this ideal that I wanted to achieve Mm -hmm. um so yeah that that took many kind of like arguments and everything was like Mm -hmm. quite quite emotionally but yeah I think that's why I was never really targeted as being you know such an issue
0: yeah how did I mean I mean this could be a bit you don't have to answer it if you don't want to but how did it kind of like affect I guess your growth as a I guess like as a female like going through puberty I'm sure that oh I I did that like
1: yeah. I don't mind saying this, but I didn't have a period for seven years. Okay. Like, yeah. just, yeah, putting it out there. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's important. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it is so important. And I also think that people don't necessarily talk about it enough. Um, I, I did see so many doctors about it. Okay. Um, but they're all kind of, and I kind of ignored just what they were saying. They were kind of saying, like, yeah it's because you're very active and obviously you're not fueling your body well and I was kind of like yeah well some of the other dancers in my class are also very thin and they're not you know struggling with not having periods um yeah and I think yeah I mean I, I didn't... It's not like I was missing them. It's not like I was sad of not having them. Yeah, it's just no. that, obviously, I kind of always knew in the back of my head, well, this is not healthy. Mm. And it would probably... Also, It my hormones were not balanced. They were not yeah. right. And it it is crazy that it doesn't make you f- really feel like, like a female. Like, it doesn't yeah. make you feel... It's not like I felt like a man. It's just that I... I yeah, it makes you feel almost...
0: I say like left out, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, almost. I don't like, know. Not it's quite weird. right. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit quite right. No, I feel
0: like that because um, I mean, I don't know if I, I didn't really, haven't talked about it for a while, but yeah, like not having periods has been something that I've experienced. So
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's weird when you're, I don't know, Did you, were you the only one or were yeah. there multiple? Yeah. Because that, mm. that was the same with me. And it's always just, you know it's like you know when girls like I guess like bonding over like you know they might be in sync on their periods or they're like yeah. complaining about having cramps and then it's like oh you kind of feel that's like that's not me
1: <laughs> yeah I feel like well what's wrong with me that it's not happening you know um, yeah and I guess I mean it took a, a very long time um, okay. for them to really become regular mm-hmm. I would say actually it's not that I've been restricting for many years it's just that it takes the body a long time to kind of get back into balance Mm -hmm. and yeah it's only been actually since we've really had this time in lockdown that my body's really been able to to just get back into balance and find harmony I think and mentally I've been able to feel more balanced as well and I think that plays a huge role yeah with everything so yeah
0: particularly because a lot of you know stuff like your menstrual cycle is related to you know whether it be like stress hormones and you know if you're dancing less your body's under less stress than exactly like physical stress at least I, I actually
1: used to get what I used to call phantom periods <laughs> so I used to get like like in the same time as my friends like get you yeah. know um this kind of typical period headache or back pain or I don't know Kind of slight PMS symptoms, but never yeah. no period. And nothing ever yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I don't really get. Um. Yeah, I find that so interesting because I know, I remember I had one period and I didn't get any pain. Like it just came one day and I was like, oh,
1: yeah. But like it was. <laughs> so, was like, I
0: wasn't like it's interesting <laughs> because I was talking to my friends and she's like, oh, you're gonna get cramps. You're gonna get a headache. And I'm like. No,
1: no I
0: didn't I didn't interesting no. how <laughs> oh, everyone, everyone's body is so different like you'll have some people who will be like I have friends who were you know were in pe- like really bad pain yeah
1: actually, I know people as well like that
0: and I can't imagine doing a ballet class no in like that in pain like
1: in no I can't imagine that either um it's really yeah. crazy it's crazy yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how so you also mentioned that there was i guess then going into your job like the transition of um that you were kind of still restricting how did that kind of you know you were out of the school environment you were kind of in an environment where you really you were in a different country as mm-hmm. your family you i don't know like how did that work and then when did you i say decide but like what was the turning point or maybe the click when you clicked in your like, i I don't know I can't do this anymore sort of
1: thing <laughs> um well yeah like I said I was always pretty like it was everything's under control yeah I was um restricting to the point where I could kind of get away with it yeah um it was only until like recently that I spoke to some friends that they said yeah Suzanne like we never really knew what to say to you like it's not really a topic you can just kind of bring about Is it's difficult to talk about particularly
0: like a you know an environment where if you're in a work environment you haven't been with those people for like your whole life
1: yeah but even even people I came with from school
0: oh really yeah yeah and Mm. I was
1: like well it's it is my first season here obviously there was like me I'm usually a very very sociable person Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like kept to myself didn't really do much with my life to be honest Mm -hmm. um strangely enough I don't remember that much of my first season because like I guess everything <laughs> was like yeah, yeah but going more to some like a, a turning point was um, I got injured just before the beginning of like our second season
0: okay. and it took me
1: out for 11 months Oof. and yeah like the beginning also was a bit like okay I was uh, I knew I had to do surgery so I had to, I went back to the UK so that I could be home and yep. do it with a surgeon that like I kind of knew would be able to do this type of surgery mm-hmm. and it was also again this kind of constant thing with my mom like she was like I'm not letting you go under anesthesia like on with that weight and it was yeah just again this fighting knowing that yep. okay I'm not healthy but still not wanting to to give yeah. up this progress that I've made mm-hmm. so I'm- but anyway, then um, during my rehab was probably the time that was like a real switch on to me because then I made the decision. It wasn't someone that forced me to, to do anything. Yeah. And part of my rehab was to, to be able to leg press, single leg press with my bad knee mm-hmm. with my bad leg, one and a half times my body weight, mm-hmm. which at the time w- would have been like around 100 kilos so i was like oh my god i have to be able i have to have the strength in one leg to press away 100 kilos right how do i do this and yeah. my my coaches they were like explaining to me and and training me and they never put any focus on my weight and never, never commented on anything i guess they kind of knew like okay mm-hmm. she really needs to gain a lot of strength here like muscle yeah. and fat um and every it, everything was so interesting like how things worked and actually like the whole science around it really fascinated me. And yeah. again, I had this kind of goal of, Oh, I have to be able to get to the strength and obviously to get to that strength. It's not just what you do in the gym. It's what you eat.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I guess, um, my control kind of went into, okay, I need to have this much protein every day. I need to have this much carbohydrates, and even though I don't recommend, that to be a diet for someone it's very exhausting having to like thing yeah. and then okay. it's it is very exhausting but I do think for me at the time it was a very good transition because I still had okay. control but in a much healthier way. Like okay. I was actually controlling what I was eating to get the best results. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day I gained muscle and weight. Mm-hmm. So um that was kind of like the transition and it made me realize how I was damaging my body and mm-hmm. it wasn't I'm saying all that that was the transition point that was kind of like the light bulb moment but yeah it yeah. took a good couple of years and I'm still learning now I'm like oh my god you know what yes I don't look like I used to when I was 21 or whatever but I'm dancing so much better I'm my even my coordination feels better I feel like I have power in my legs even if I haven't yeah. been for for, you know if we had two weeks quarantine Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago I came back and I still felt at a good level it wasn't like I was suffering Mm -hmm. you know so yeah like I said that was kind of the turning point
0: (laughs) yeah it's interesting because um yeah I'm sure like you just said it's probably not the most recommended to go from I guess to go into that whole I mean yeah it's very exhausting having to weigh everything out and count it all and like it's a lot were do you think it was that any like was that ever distorted like was that whole idea of having feeling like you had to hit a certain amount of grams of each like macro essentially Mm -hmm. did that ever then you know I mean I'm sure if you're coming out of a restrictive phase you're still going to be wary of like I guess like certain foods and you're there's some things that you aren't going to feel like super comfortable eating um but was that ever like did you ever feel like you were like oh I don't know that you had to be like super i say healthy in quotation marks um or did you find that was helpful with like allowing yourself to maybe eat things that you may not have, I guess, like eaten previously. Um, I don't know. That's I'm just yeah, yeah. Through.
1: I think I think I I didn't really like I my my main focus was more about protein at that point. Okay, which again I also don't think that. I mean, everyone is different. Yeah, everyone like I I just function better on having a higher protein diet than say like a higher carbohydrate diet. Um, but again, that's that was just for me that was helpful for me at the time to realize you know what I can have this much chicken because this is good for me this is gonna help my progress mm-hmm. or I I can have this and I I mean I have a sweet tooth naturally so I wouldn't have said no to to sweet things <laughs> yeah, no, same. anyway mm-hmm. um but yeah no I think it was just it was just a transition it was like a yeah. dietary transition to realize mm-hmm. to, to maybe also um get a bit more intrigued about sports nutrition and what mm-hmm. my body actually needs and it kind yeah. of was like a catalyst and to make me research things a bit more and maybe okay. try things out um because mm-hmm. at the end of the day everyone is different everyone's going to know exactly different things. Yeah. yeah everyone's body uh, you know processes are all different yeah and also like I used to have this fear of fat like having oils and stuff in my in my diet and then again like actually reading about it you know reading about trying to to gain muscle trying to gain strength led me on to reading and to inform myself about other things and thinking oh actually this is probably going to be good for me this is going to be good for my body so I guess at the end of the day it's kind of Transferring the focus of what is healthy rather than what is going to make me skinny. Yeah. And at the end of the day, lose muscle. Because yeah. that's another thing that I actually learned is that your body burns muscle before it burns its fat if you're restricted. Yeah. So these things and being told by them by people that I, again, was relying so much on to try and help me get back to dancing. I was literally listening to everything they said. I was like, yeah absorbing every advice they were giving me um yeah so yeah <laughs> how
0: was it that I'm intrigued so you for 11 months that's a long time for your mm. injury um how were were you home for the all the 11 months
1: yeah yeah um it was it was planned that I would only do my um surgery there the back in the UK Mm -hmm. but then things kind of snowballed and I realized that because I was on crutches for 10 weeks as well okay so I wouldn't have been able to live alone on crutches it just could I could barely like I couldn't even carry a cup of tea to the sofa so um yeah and then I said like as my rehab kind of started going on I started Mm -hmm. getting contact with people or I did my rehab with June with Patrick Rump's kind of like sports, um, performance enhancement team. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then I just decided, you know what, this is going to be better for me to stay here where I can be with my family and, um, not be distracted by like the pressures of having to go back to work. Yeah. yeah.
0: How were, how was your, like the company with your injury? Like, I think I don't know because I'm assuming obviously companies you know you're working um and for if you're not working for 11 months like how did that like you know were you still mm-hmm. being paid was your contract
1: on hold because I'm, yeah. I'm sure it, was- it will
0: vary company to company but I can imagine that that's also this kind of stressful situation
1: Yeah. Uh My, my character was quite good with it. I mean, when I Mm -hmm. went to him and said, okay, I need the surgery. I myself didn't really have many details. The only thing that I knew was that they said minimum six months. Okay. Um, but obviously to get back, that was like minimum six months to be able to be like a normal functioning person. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway. So then I, I said to him, okay, look, this is the thing He said, no, it's fine. Um, You have your contract for next season, so that was that was really great okay. that they kind of gave me that time, mm-hmm. and also we have two months summer break. So minus that, that's like nine months mm-hmm. is like a pregnancy, really. And then, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I was even put on like like a maternity leave in okay. the end. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yeah, financially it was quite difficult because the company cuts your salary after three months. Okay. and then every month you get a lot less yeah um so yeah but I manage like I, I do believe in little miracles in life and yeah. things yeah. magically happened and and worked out
0: yeah. yeah so coming out of your injury and kind of like recovering from that how was I mean obviously you know coming back from an injury is difficult mm-hmm. um how was it kind of like I guess getting back to dancing and getting back to like dancing you know professionally and knowing you have going to have to be on stage at some point in the future um yeah was that I mean I'm assuming it was difficult but like what were some challenges and then kind of how did you overcome them in that recovery process
1: well um one thing that my rehab team um were very clever at was like not letting me dance until think it was like nine and a half months okay or 10 months mm-hmm. so I didn't do a first ballet class until like 10 months off yeah. but I was at that point so strong that it didn't take me I mean of course it took me a while to really get back at coordination back and everything but mm-hmm. I was quite surprised at how easy the first cast back felt okay like okay. I think I was expecting a lot worse Mm-hmm. um the one thing that I've really struggled with for a long time was picking up exercises <laughs> I look yeah, at like basic posture exercises like I cannot remember any of this <laughs> um but yeah no that I think I was I was just super excited and I had this really fresh mentality to come back I was like I'm never complaining about a long rehearsal ever again <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I was lucky that I was put into things straight away. So I was very excited to be able to be on stage. Coordination was kind of a thing that I feel like lacked for a while.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I think I think that the hardest part was probably being overly conscious about everything surrounding my knee. Like yeah. I wasn't running. I wasn't actually allowed to still run at that point. And I got very nervous if I had to do anything that was like running on stage. Okay. So I'd be yeah. like limping around a bit awkwardly or um, I would constantly- ch- a worry. I was um, f- like not jumping every day because okay. that was also like advice given from physios that actually mm-hmm. you're putting so much impact on your joints by jumping every day. And I was integrating still a lot of my rehab program like a lot of weight lifting and strength training um so i was very kind of i've always had this kind of a very ocd focus about that Mm -hmm. um, trying to fit in my my kind of post rehab routine yeah um but i was quite paranoid for a long time and constantly being on on whatsapp with my physio and like i'm feeling this or it's doing Mm -hmm. this but it's it was all fine it was just it's just a mental thing that you have to get over
0: yeah percent. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people I mean I felt that coming back from my injury you know being very wary in a leg grow like landing from things particularly mm-hmm. like landing on like the leg that was injured and it really yeah. like it does it takes a while to kind of feel comfortable particularly in the you know how, however, you injured it in this step that you might injure it in, like that can be very strange. And like, I don't know, did you injure it? Yeah. You were, like at, in the studio.
1: Yeah. So basically, we were on Lake, and it was it was like the day of our season opening. Oh
0: my god.
1: And I remember, like, we, they we were all a bit annoyed because they made us run the whole ballet in the morning and the evening. And you had a show in run. the evening. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I was in, I was, I, and I obviously only had like kind of a few twinges in my knee days before, but okay. basically my knee injury is a genetic, there was like a genetic defect in the bones when I was growing, I guess, no one's really sure how it happened, but due to like the stress and impact of ballet. And obviously I didn't have enough muscle surrounding my legs and knees to, to kind of dampen the intensity. Yeah. The impact, yeah. The impact um so the piece of bone and cartilage broke off basically and oh, i was in this swan position like lying over, like, oh, yeah, over my leg like that yeah. obviously the knee is like completely bent i got yeah. up I, I it was like i don't haven't felt pain like that and i couldn't walk and i remember like limping through through the dance i think i, I can't like what is this and i and then yeah, one of the yeah. girls jumped in for me And then I just, I don't know what I did, but I after about 20 minutes, I got up and it was fine. And my director was like, oh, so you can dance? I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. And it was probably just like a cramp or something. And then um, as I was walking home, I started feeling the pain again. And I had to then call a physio and see if he could help me. Before the show that evening, and every time like he would do something, and then I would just be out, out the door ready to go to the theater, and I would feel the pain again because it was a piece of bone that was obviously floating around in the caps, the knee capsule, and okay. getting stuck in certain places. Yeah. So um, yeah, my poor friend had to like jump in for me literally ten minutes before before the show, and so until this day, I have not sat in that one position see like, that would be scary yeah we're doing we're rehearsing Swan Lake now and we've done the same production many times since that since then yeah. but I found a very cunning way of sitting down onto my ass instead of my foot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't noticed yet and yeah so but that is, that is
0: who's gonna see from stage
1: exactly so no I just decided you know I'm not gonna do that to myself yeah.
0: no I mean but, it's such a uncomfortable position anyway yeah so, exactly I think is it yeah for act four if you're <laughs> do you start in that position for the overture and you're there like for like what feels like 10 minutes yes um,
1: yes yeah. so I was like how so no, uncomfortable I, I can run 10 kilometers easy but <laughs> don't put me in that position that, <laughs> oh that's so
0: funny oh my god just talking about that song that like, just brings back memories but I'm sure I mean you were just ex- your experience in it um
1: well it's kind yeah. of into my muscles at this oh, point yeah
0: yeah I mean yeah you just yeah used to yeah um, okay so let's I want to talk more now on to I guess your Instagram not a bunhead mm-hmm. um I'm sure a lot of people will like I think a lot of my listeners follow you um well so I kind so. of, like, know that, huh? <laughs> I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think a lot of them do. Um, So I'm kind of intrigued because, like, to talk about, um, I guess, the whole idea of a bunhead and um, the mentality behind it and kind of, like, why you decided to start it and what made you think, like, okay, yeah, I want to do this. I want to start, you know, having and starting this conversation. So...
1: Yeah. um so basically I I don't know why I got it into my head like since a few years ago that I kind of realized that I wasn't the same person as like I'm who I am now is not who I was especially at the time when I was really restricting it was almost as if a part of me just disappeared I wouldn't say it died it's just kind of like uh, went yeah. <laughs> yeah um and I felt like, you know what, I'm so happy now. And I've I'm allowing so many other influences into my life and I'm uh, so many other experiences that before, and then this might just be a personal kind of experience or how I saw it, is that I had to kind of follow this stereotype of, or ideal, you know, of what is it? Like I was even disturbed by a lady once who cut my hair and said, oh there aren't many blonde ballerinas are there can you have blonde hair or can you have short hair and it's so it's so distorted because like obviously it's it's just a stereotype and there's people who don't know what Mm -hmm. like the real world is um but somehow that always triggered me and I I guess I was quite vulnerable and susceptible to kind of these comments when I was younger um but I think what a bun hair kind of like signifies to me is that you have to it's kind of like a label you know it's someone or it's this kind of mental state when you think that there is only one kind of ultimate goal you know one type of dancer yeah. um and then if you don't reach that and if you don't fit that mold then you're not really worth it mm-hmm. or you're not worth you kind of wasting your time or it's yeah and I think it took me a while to also kind of come to terms with who I am and, and really as a, as a person in my private life as well. Yeah. And once I was able to kind of find out and realize the person I am and what kind of artist I want to be, I also realized what kind of dancer I wanted to be and and how I wanted to, to approach my work mm-hmm. and not approach my work in a way that I think I had to, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um. Like, and some, for some people, it's probably fine if they spend every hour of their day in a studio or, you know, I don't know, use all of their time to immerse themselves in, in the dance world yeah. or with ballet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. And that's, for some people, that works. And I've, I I try to follow that. I felt pressured to follow that. Yeah. And it's just not for me. Yeah, And I realized that I can still be a successful dancer and i can still be doing something worthy with my life by doing it my way yeah so i guess that's kind of i guess you can interpret it in any way you want but that's kind of a little bit of an idea behind it
0: yeah no i love it and i think it's so i think it's important because like you, like there is a stereotype of a ballet dancer whether they be a ballet student or a professional and there's a mold or well they I say there's a mold, but like in a lot of people's heads, there's a mold, but kind of like whether necessarily there actually is, is kind of mm-hmm. the story. Because obviously you can look at professional jazzers from throughout the world and everyone's slightly different. Everyone has different yeah. hobbies. Everyone's work-life balance is different. Um, so there's so many, I guess, molds in in commas um, mm. or ways you can, you know, become a professional. And I think that's something the whole I guess like I'm going to just call it the bunhead mentality I think that you know a lot of young students whether they be like in the beginning of their professional training or even in you know this upper school kind of years I think it can be very easy to fall into that and you know I'm I guess victim of it um you know, you feel you might've had teachers say, like I've had teachers say, you know, you should be watching more ballet. You should be mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. stretching to out for two hours after like already a full day of dancing yeah. um, or going, you know, this I've heard teachers say, oh, you need to go and um, like, for the sake of ballet, for the sake of art, for the sake of being, you know, in ballet shape, you need to go on the cross trainer for an hour after a full day of dancing all to achieve something that like it actually but like long term is that actually going to like d- make a difference is that actually going to,
1: that's not what's going to get you the job um, exactly the thing at the end of the day you have to remember is that and even though it's scary but what happens when that's taken away from you because exactly. the thing is that almost it was almost taken away from me. That was the thing for me what caused the most anxiety was when I got injured. I was like, I have no life. Yeah. I literally had I I was doing fine at school. it wasn't that my grades were that I wasn't I was paying attention to my schoolwork but nothing excited me or made me feel like there was a it was a life yeah. worth living yeah. other than dancing and I was like, I don't know. I guess it's it's a great kind of, idealistic way to live I think you know I live for this but you have mm. to have some perspective so that something doesn't cause so much um anxiety within you like I still have I know I still have my goals and everything but it's in a calmer state because I know that I can still enjoy life you know
0: yeah I think that's so important and I think a lot of people when they are injured that's like maybe the first I guess, experience where they like, it's almost like I say a culture shock, but like mm-hmm. it's a shock to be like, oh, wow, I didn't... Maybe when they were dancing, they didn't realise how much of their like life and um, I guess like how much of their personality and who they are as a person they put into dance or ballet or whatever. And then when you're injured and you, you realise, oh, well, for a lot of people, you realise that I actually don't feel like i have anything else anything else to like or like i say like live for almost yeah and it can be like for me i definitely struggle with that because then coming back to dancing when things didn't go i guess like how i wanted them to go um a lot of it then just went back to i guess like can put you know it was all tied to my worth as who i was as a human being Um, and that's the dangerous part like that's just when it just if that's like the the relationship you have with dance um yeah I think it's quite dangerous I
1: I 100% agree with that it's it's like a toxic obsession really yeah and I think that dancing is such a beautiful thing and it's actually something that people do right I I do remember um a few years ago I went with a friend to a hip-hop party Mm-hmm. I mean, I know hip hop is a completely <laughs> different discipline than ballet. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't demand the, the years of training, but I think that we do forget because your training is never going to stop. Like I, I'm in a company since a good couple of years and I'm still learning about technique and I'm still learning about my body and it still changes. So the focus it had, that has to be accepted as being an ongoing thing and maybe not being like taken so um to heart sometimes like I don't know I I used to maybe think that if I wasn't able to do that technically perfect that again I'm not good enough you know but anyways what we forget sometimes as dancers is that that whole kind of energy and passion for really why we do it Mm -hmm. and as I walked into that room I just remember everyone dancing with so much freedom no one was talking to each other because they were talking with their bodies to each other and and having these kind of freestyle like dance-offs mm-hmm. and I walked away so inspired I was like hip-hop just inspired me to walk into the studio tomorrow and just give it all you know mm-hmm. and I feel that ballet shouldn't also be closed off so much because we can learn from so many other um even sports or you know from musicians from my my mom is doing this project where she's interviewing artists and musicians from all over the world and the things some of the musicians are talking about and saying or i don't know this inspiration is inspiration at the end of the day whether you get it from another dancer or from a, a olympic athlete you yeah. know or a millionaire you know it's all it's all that, and I think sometimes if you gather all of these things and maybe you resonate more with that person, whether they're a dancer or not, it can still benefit you so, so much.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. Um,
0: have you felt that, like, I guess, like I say, yeah, like lockdown and this time away from the studio has helped you kind of, I say, discover more of, like, your interests Because obviously, like, it is difficult to to like finding a work-life balance is difficult. And I think for a lot of people, maybe this time has been helpful in either realizing that and also giving them time to explore other things.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you felt that?
1: Yeah, I think I think since a couple of years, since like actually since my injury, Mm -hmm. um I also discovered I like my interest in sports as well, Mm -hmm. in the sense of like maybe more sports science. And it also plays a part like since my rehab like working in the gym and everything I've that's become kind of like a cross-training yeah yeah yeah
0: I I completely I find that really interesting too
1: yeah and I've tried like different kinds of sports as well Mm -hmm. um which I which I really enjoyed um so that was also that's always been for me kind of like a let out and just the whole kind of body anatomy has always been a very interesting topic for me so I find like that yeah that for me was Mm-hmm. anyway already a thing and yeah. lockdown um, lockdown was for me a, a big like self-reflection mm-hmm. and I think like the first lockdown especially and then the second lockdown that we went into to Vienna um, kind of triggered the start of Bunhead because then I thought okay well I would also like to share that and maybe yeah. I'm ready now and kind of healed a bit more to be able to also talk about things Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, I also started writing a bit because I quite enjoy that and it's just again, also having the confidence of just doing things and yeah, it's nice because it does I don't put on the same pressure as I do in my work and yeah, sometimes that's it's better. Yeah, it's
0: good because it just gives you that balance. Um,
1: sometimes you, know, that, you get less less of a shit. Then
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it's important to like you know sometimes not everything has to be perfect and you're allowed to make mistakes and you know so I think in ballet like that's difficult to kind of allow yourself to feel that way just because of how difficult it is and everyone knows it's competitive and there's just so many things well if you're doing something and you're kind of just you know like, if you're in a situation where you're not comparing yourself, like, for me, like, I feel like with this podcast, like, this is just me doing something I enjoy, I'm, I'm not comparing myself to other podcasts, I don't, like, so I don't feel like, like, so what am I, you know, what am I, I'm not trying to be perfect, I'm just trying to make it a little you bit better enjoy. each episode, yeah. yeah, like, it's just, enjoyment at this point but
1: actually actually like I also found that listening to your podcast it has it's so good and it's so good that people are are, um, talking to you where they feel like there's it's a safe space to talk about something and it's very real and very honest and Mm -hmm. the whole energy and kind of like idea behind your podcast is so genuine really and it's so effective But it's like you say, sometimes I think if you were going to go into the podcast and you overanalyze everything and start comparing yourself Mm -hmm. and really like just, yeah, going a bit crazy about it, it wouldn't have the same effect and the same, it wouldn't come across the same to the audience. Yeah. And I think we have to, if, yeah, it's already just like realizing that. That's why I think it's also important to do other things Mm -hmm. because you realize that and you think, actually, what if I brought this aspect into my work? Go mm-hmm. my dancing and see what happens yeah and it's just having the confidence to do that
0: yeah and I think that is what it kind of comes down to is I guess you know the confidence you have in yourself you know not meaning in a way that you have to be you know you don't have to be showy you don't have mm-hmm. to just, like be something that you're not but kind of being almost like I guess accepting like I think it starts with like being accepting of who you are and yeah allowing yourself to enjoy other things and then feeling like yeah okay I can do this and I'm not going to be like ashamed I'm not going to feel like someone's judging me because most of the time they're not.
1: (sighs) And you know what's very interesting is that I spoke to some of my colleagues who have already had kids and Mm -hmm. here in um, Austria it's kind of like against the law to to be dancing I mean I know you like even in the UK you can't dance if you're pregnant on stage you can still kind of take class Mm -hmm. but here once they get their three months confirmation or even two months they're gone they just disappear for like a good two and a half years so um but then I was talking to some of the mums I was like okay well how was life when you came back like what was different Mm. and one I'll never forget that she was like you know I got more roles when I came back because suddenly my attention my focus wasn't so extreme of what was what i was doing as the, in, in the studio i had my child to think about and i was kind of growing more as a as a person and finding who i really am and and that had such an amazing effect on her career in the end mm. so i'm it's, not saying that's not, condoning, <laughs> I'm not saying it, get it. pregnant. <laughs> it's just a very good example i think of sometimes if you if you put your focus somewhere else as well it's not saying take it away from dancing it's just maybe put your focus on really who you are really deep within and and the cliche of loving who you are Mm -hmm. then it's going to come across on stage
0: yeah I mean 100% like it's important to because it's so easy to get caught up in everything that happens in the studio and life at the studio and life at school or life at the company. And it's just important to not let that consume you because more often than not, it's going to actually have a negative effect. Well, not a negative, but it might be actually holding you back without you realizing it.
1: Yeah. 100%. You're not
0: actually living like your fullest life, if that makes sense. Cause it's 100%. Not- <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. I yeah okay it's different when you're at school because like we said before you have the pressures of teachers and everything but I think that's a other thing that should start changing but if you talk about like being a dancer performing Mm -hmm. who are the people that are watching you to be honest like I'd say a good 80-85% of the audience don't really have much of a clue about ballet Mm -hmm. and they just come for the whole performance and they usually connect more from what I've been talking to people who came to watch with with people who have this different energy on stage and who can connect with the public. And, you know, we have to ex- also experience life to understand mm-hmm. what the public are experiencing or what they're yeah. going through. And also for choreographers, I think that's very important because you have to also create this atmosphere and movement that your audience can resonate with. And if you stay in this bubble of, you know, tonjus plies and pirouettes and mm. just whatever, then, yeah. then you're not really going to connect with a modern day audience.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think you, you put that really well because, yeah, it's difficult. And I think that's important for like younger dancers to be aware of, even though most of them, sure, you know, people listening, you might be still at school, but I think, you know, you can still be aware going forward you know mm-hmm. if you're in your graduate year that at the end of the day it isn't all just about tonjues, you know, and fungies and works or whatever. Um, like there's so at the end of the day, you're on stage. You are getting yeah. paid to be on stage. You're getting paid to like you know draw perform. people in to
1: perform and draw people yeah.
0: into coming back. So Yeah. You and you're
1: them- as an artist you have to make the audience feel something whether yeah. it's gonna individual to every one of them but you have to have this thing to be able to trigger that in them yeah um and i think also yeah well, i was gonna say something and was... <laughs> it's now <fine>. it's okay <laughs> it's gonna be oh yeah auditions yeah. um i also think that directors are more and more looking for those dancers who do have that something i mean i also see sometimes i'm very interested to see what the director looks for in an audition and Mm. just kind of seeing what what the the dances that companies are taking sometimes people like really they took them but no actually it's because most of the time that person um has this energy that the director picks up on and it doesn't always mean that they can do five pirouettes or that their technique is super clean is it they have a personality and that I think is is in this day and age it's very valuable yeah because there are hundreds hundreds of people with amazing technique yeah but unfortunately not everyone can project that personality
0: yeah definitely and it's easy to get you know with social media and everything it's easy to get caught up in I guess like the technique or the pirouettes or you know things the things that we see rather than things that we feel but Um, yeah it will be interesting because I think at the same time this time off might have given people time to kind of like develop I say develop their artistry but I may maybe I mean like become more in tune with their emotions which Uh, might translate more into kind of you know being less robotic if that makes sense Um, yeah
1: definitely and I think I think it's a very um, it's obviously a a, a long process like this is it's also, for me, an ongoing process. I'm still learning every single day. Mm. Um, but I think it's like accepting the process and accepting that there is a, a path that you should walk and that sometimes things don't come straight away because you mm. still have to learn something within yourself Yeah. before before that. So, yeah, I think especially for students, it's something to be aware of. And like you say, maybe this time away being at home spark something you know or there's so many podcasts or live interviews or social media hopefully mm-hmm. somewhere there's something that triggers a thought and that's all you yeah. need to get the ball rolling
0: yeah exactly
1: um
0: okay I think we're we've had a really long chat
1: yeah. um is there anything I else huh? I could talk for days yeah
0: no I mean same I could yeah <laughs> um, is there anything that you before we round up, like round up the episode? Is there anything else that you want to, you know, touch on um, before we finish?
1: From my side, no, unless there are any more questions. <laughs> and from my I side, mean, I think I- we've t-
0: kind of covered most, like most of the things, um, yeah. without this episode being like hours long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, before we you know um we round off where can the listeners find you on instagram or any or like where can they yeah find your social media well uh, you that you're, yeah
1: yeah so my my yeah the actual account is not a bunhead mm-hmm. um i guess the kind of spelling and everything it's got like full stops. Yeah, I'll in leave the it page. in a yeah. link okay yeah and then um I also have a little hobby blog that I started mm-hmm. um, during lockdown and that's Suzanne with a Z, mm-hmm. but that's not really always ballet based. It's kind of just my thoughts or stories or whatever. That yeah, is. So yeah. It might be. Yeah. Well,
0: I'll, might it, be, it I'll might, leave a link because someone, someone will want to read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah. I'll put those in the description below people listening.
1: If you, want to check suzanne
0: out yeah and And make sure to follow not a
1: bunhead as well pardon yeah if anyone ever has any questions or want to talk about anything Mm -hmm. i'm always reachable and i'm always happy and willing to talk about anything so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Yeah. if you have any questions just shoot a dm
1: (laughs) yeah slide it to my dms i'd be happy (laughs) (laughs) okay i think that's a
0: really great place to wrap up And I hope people listening, you enjoy the episode. Um, I think there's a lot of valuable information in this episode. So thank you, Suzanne, for having this conversation and coming on today. It was great to chat. Um, Yeah, I think that's everything. Um, People listening, you can hear me next week. Make sure to follow Suzanne. And yeah, have a great week. Bye.
1: Bye.